Welcome back to the Las Casas Community Church Podcast. Now, whether you're listening to this on a Friday morning or a Saturday, maybe Sunday, I can ensure you this, there's nothing like a Wednesday night Bible study at LCC. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Interaction. That's a good thing. <laughs> a reading out of like the Passion. You heard the Passion version, Passion Bible. Passion translation. Yeah, I have not. It's it's brand new. It's so new that it's not even all finished yet. Yeah. <laughs> and and the thing is is I, I have it myself. I use it. I love the commentary that it has. Um, and I love the, the New Testament in parts of it, but um, when it actually comes down to it being the exact translation, mm-hmm. it's not quite so much. In my study, and I've, I've realized that there was people who translated the Bible for just easy reading. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then there's people who tried to translate the Bible to be exact. Yes. Mm-hmm. And in what? They both have their place. Yes. Um, I like the ones that are just easy to read because they're enjoyable. And uh, I I love that. The commentary, like I said, is great in this. Very good commentary. Um, Interesting footnotes. Very interesting, yeah. But uh, Jewishness. It shows. Yeah. Well, it it does. Mm -hmm. There are some parts that... And I don't quite like as much, you know. Um, I'm more of a stickler, <laughs> uh, you know. And especially after learning Hebrew, you know, parts, um, wanting it to be, this is what it says. It, you know what I mean? Um, so I kind of lean actually more toward um, NASB uh, myself. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when the Living Bible came out. I don't know if anybody's oh, yeah. or not. I was in I high school. Mm, wow. Well, and I really, I really like, uh, I really like that. You know, uh, yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm not opposed to any. Uh, but, not either. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're talking about Isaac. We have been going, what, what we did, what we're doing is we started over with all the scriptures. And so we started in Genesis 1-1. We actually had an entire lesson, did we not, mm-hmm. on nothing but Genesis 1-1 and 1-2. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And it's that chock full. <laughs> you know? Well, when you Hebrew put the Hebrew Hebrew into it, um, then it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. You know? Um and so we've been just kind of going and taking the old Bible stories like people would have had in Sunday school and then taking it deeper. And so we're to Isaac. Okay. That's where we are. <laughs> um, and to help myself out, I've been doing a power, excuse me, PowerPoint, but I actually do write it uh, myself. So. And you have notes normally. So oh, I, I steal my notes. Yeah, I do. Let me go ahead and give those to you. <laughs> Here, I'll just let you take it around and pass it. <laughs> That's good. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that 
Right. So one of the things that, that we were talking about, Isaac, he is known as one of the patriarchs, right? Uh, if you talk about, I don't remember when I went to Ukraine and we were uh, helping Jewish people uh, immigrate to Israel, uh, we could not talk to them about Jesus. And the reason why with Ezra International, and the reason why is because um, they would not have been able to, the, the Israeli government would not allow their organization to bring people into Israel had they proselytized. Yeah, and so they they could not. And so when they would pray, they would pray in the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which we have no problem with because that is correct. Um, it, and that was not... That was allowable. That was allowable. Yeah. You know, and, and so still today in Jewish circles, they pray in that manner. And now... The Bible actually doesn't have just a huge amount on Isaac, not like it has Abraham. Abraham has had massive amounts. But the things that we do have on Isaac, one of the things that we talked about last time, we talked about Abraham where he was supposed to sacrifice Isaac. And he was going to do that and all of the things that that meant. And we were talking about, if you'll remember, Isaac, was an old enough young man, he could have overpowered a hundred and something year old man. And so he was willing to be the sacrifice. Because remember, it got down to the point where he had the knife and he was about to bring it down on Isaac when God stopped him. And so Isaac had gotten on the altar Isaac was going to be a burnt offering. Does anybody remember what it means to be a burnt offering? It's all consumed. Everything's consumed. It literally means in Hebrew, the word is olah, and it means to ascend, but it literally means to go up in smoke. Nothing is left. But what did they do with it? What did they do to the sacrifice before it went up in smoke? They put their hands on it, they identified, and they transferred their sin onto it. And so when it went up in smoke, what happened to their sin? It went up in smoke with it. And so we talked about how that was, uh, there was a correlation between that and worship. And how that in Genesis 22, that's the first time that the word worship is ever talked about. And it's in connection with the burnt offering. Because it was worship to God to give that sin over so that relationship could be restored. Amen? Because that's what it's about. It's always about relationship. Um, what other word was used for the first time? Anybody remember? <laughs> you don't have to go back to your notes, I'll tell you. It was love. Love, first time it's ever used is where God was talking to Abraham and saying, I want you to take the son, the son that you love, and sacrifice him to me. And, you know, where did that happen? Does anybody remember where it happened? Mount Moriah. What would happen later with Mount Moriah? The, the temple was built there, exactly. 
this Friday, we're going to talk about the sheen. And it's amazing how these two classes um, just, they interweave with each other, you know. And so we're going to talk about that um, again with Mount Moriah. So Isaac, <clears throat> there may not be a lot found about him, but even the fact that he was willing to be the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. He was willing to take Abraham's sin and his own and be put to nothing. And uh, he was okay with that because he trusted, right? Mm -hmm. Says a lot about him. So we're going to start with the death of Sarah. Uh, when a parent dies, there's a part of a person that's forced to grow up at that point. They realize a part of them, an irreplaceable part, is gone. This happens for Isaac and Abraham. Isaac was 37 years old, so he had 37 years with her. Abraham had had a lifetime. Abraham mourns for his beloved Sarah. Remember, her name means princess, right? Uh, in Genesis 23, we find him paying an exorbitant price for a suitable place to bury her. He buries her in the cave of Machpelah. It would become their burial, uh, their family burial uh, cave. Now, there's a picture of it, and I wanted to include that because we actually are going to go see that. And mm -hmm, that's what it looks like. But see, okay, so what groups of people revere them as... Uh, Fathers of the faith, if you want to put it that way. The Jews. Yes, the Jews. The Muslims do as well. Yes, they do. Um, and so the Muslims and the Jews, basically, they revere this. Um, and so here's something from the Passion Translation, a commentary. Makpalah means double or downing. Everyone buried in this cave would be one of a couple. Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebecca. And then Jacob and Leah. What happened to Rachel? We've talked about her tomb before. What happened? Where was she? Well, she he married her first. Mm -hmm. But she died first. Yeah. And where did he bury her? We're actually going to her tomb, oh, too. Mamrie. No. no. Is that not mm -hmm. Okay. Think about Migdal later. <laughs> oh, yes. Ah. So where, where is Migdal later? Bethlehem. In Bethlehem, the tower of the flocks. Mm -hmm. And that's where she died. Remember, because she was giving birth uh, yeah, to Benjamin, mm -hmm. but she called him Benoni ben first. Yeah. The, the, the man of my sorrows or something like that? Uh, the first Benoni is uh, the son of my sorrows. Of my and sorrows. then uh, Jacob was like, okay, we can't keep it that name. And so he changed it to Benjamin, which is the son of the right hand. Okay. Yeah. All right, death for the patriarchs was a gateway into the resurrection. This cave was more like a bedroom to rest than a tomb, more an altar than a grave. It was an altar to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who was not a God of the dead, but of the living. According to Jewish tradition, Adam and Eve were also buried in this cave. Now that I'm kind of like, nah. <laughs> you know, I don't really see that, but okay. They say a lot of things over there like that. Just say that. <laughs> According to the Midrash, now, and let me tell you, the Midrash, it's it's stories, 
but not quite always. It's factual. It's not always factual. Yes. <laughs> so according to the Midrash, the patriarchs were buried in this cave because this cave is a threshold to the Garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. So that's what they're trying to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the place where Sarah died was later called Kiriath Arba, meaning the city of the four giants. It was called this because of the four couples buried in this cave. Mm -hmm. They were the giants of the faith. So where are they? Where are the bodies? Where? Yeah. Where's the if these are tombs, so in the little doors, uh, that's where the bodies are. Yeah, I mean, it's actually kind of, it's colorful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I figured we would just kind of go over this chapter because we're really focusing on, uh, more on Isaac uh, meeting Rebecca. Any time y'all could say something, Jack, you can too. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> I'm good. Okay. One um, of the things, I know we're kind of reviewing a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So after Sarah died, Abraham realized Isaac needed a bride because, you know what? He didn't have a bride anymore. He was feeling that emptiness. And so he was seeing that with his son, didn't want him to go through that. So it became something he really wanted to see. Um, so somebody read Genesis 24, 1 through 9. He probably grandkids, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he did. <laughs> well, how old was, if Sarah was 137, how old was Abraham? He was only a couple of years older. Than he, he was 10 years old. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. So he would have been 147. Mm -hmm. Yeah. By this time. <coughs> now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Abraham, so Abraham said to the oldest servant at the house, who ruled over all that he had, Please put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I give this land, he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if she is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Okay. So uh, here, Abraham is having him um, put his hand under his thigh to make an oath, right? Okay, so what in the world is that? That is not something we have in our day, right? 
Um, so actually what he was having him do was actually touch where his private parts were because that's where his fertility came from. Wow. Yeah, and, and so what that was about was in doing that, he was calling on not just the oath being to him, but to all that came from him. Through the other Yeah, through the I rest always, of the generations. I wondered about that. Yeah, because that's like, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it says, put his hand under Abraham's thigh. The servant took a very solemn oath, assuming the burden of completing this mission. Uh -huh. But it, the thing is, is, it wasn't just for Abraham's lifetime. It was for all of his descendants. Yes. Reminds me of a shoe oath. The what? A shoe yeah. oath. Oh, like in Ruth? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Different. <laughs> okay, so look at this. Earlier in Genesis 15:2, we find Abraham's trusted uh, servant's friend was Eleazar. I always love that name. I just mm -hmm. think it's a neat name. This name means God helps, but it also is used to mean a military help, and it's a line of defense. Eleazar in the ancient Hebrew pictographic language is this. So you have the Aleph first, and we know that the Aleph is the strong leader. It's an ox head, right? And it stands for God. You have the Laman, meaning the shepherd's staff and a voice of authority who teaches us. Yud, meaning the mighty outstretched hand or power of power that does a great deed. Uh, Ayin is an eye. It means to see and to have spiritual insight and wisdom. Then you have Zayin, meaning a spiritual weapon and the sword of the spirit. And then Reish, meaning the head. So together, it tells us God, who is the strong leader and the voice of authority, does a mighty deed with his powerful hand, giving insight and wisdom, and bringing down the sword of the spirit on the head of the enemy. Isn't that good? And so that is what Eleazar, is, his name, is telling us. Abraham was relying on Eleazar, to bring the right bride home to Isaac with God's help. You know, I know my kids, uh, they're actually getting older, and a lot of them have never even dated. And uh, if you ask Stephen in particular, you know, he'll, he'll say to you, you know, it's not a problem finding a girlfriend. He could find a girl. He just doesn't want any girl. He wants the girl. Yeah, and so... That's what Abraham was wanting for Isaac, the one, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so it was actually a really big deal that he was trusting his friend to go find the one. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, it is said that Eleazar is a picture of the Holy Spirit being sent from the Father to go and seek out and bring home his son's bride, you and me. If we say yes to our future bridegroom, then Holy Spirit comes to live within us as our guarantee and engagement ring of what has become until our wedding day with Jesus. Just as Eleazar was released from his oath if a person refused the proposal, Holy Spirit is also released because God will not go against our free will. He is looking for a bride who will willfully choose, who willfully chooses to covenant with her bridegroom. Amen. It's not against our will. Yes, it is. 
That's great. It's such a beautiful picture. I've always thought of this story. That's how I kind of teach the kids that. Yeah. It's such a perfect picture of it. Where he goes. I like that perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then she probably talks. All right. So let's jump at Genesis 24, um, verses 10 through 21. And the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hands, and he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor, and he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. Then he said, O Lord, God of my master, Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that that the young woman to whom I say, Please let down your pitcher, that I may drink. And she says, Drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And it happened before he had finished speaking that, that behold, Rebekah, was, who was born to Beth, Bethel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold a virgin. No man had known her, and she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water, and drew for all his camels. And the man, wondering at her, remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. So <clears throat> Eleazar had apparently come up with a way to pick out Isaac's bride with God's help before he even got there. He's got there at just the right time. Do you think he would have known when to get there or kind of to shoot for that time? You know, probably so. You know, it was the society of that. <laughs> um, before he was even finished telling God what he was going to look for, God was answering his request. He was looking for someone with a humble servant's heart that would endure until the end. He found that in Rebecca. She showed kindness and hospitality, a virtue among the ancients, by giving drink to Eleazar. She showed a humility and endurance by giving drink to his camels. Camels are ideal desert creatures because they store water in their great humps. Eleazar had uh, just traveled about 600 miles by camel. Can you imagine? <laughs> I can't imagine that. Uh, the camels were very thirsty. Each camel could drink up to 20 gallons of water <laughs> until they were refreshed. Can you imagine giving that to 10 camels? You'd have to go back and forth and back and forth, right? This would mean much work for Rebecca. It could take hours to do this arduous task. Even more, when she did this, it was for a stranger. 
this was a sure sign for what Eleazar was looking for. Again, it showed her servant's heart. So Genesis 24, 22 through 25. So it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrist weighing 10 shekels of gold and said, whose daughter are you? Please tell me, please, is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, we both, we have both straw and feed enough and room to lodge. Okay. So who is the straw and feed for? The camels. Right. Now, could, it, could 10 camels have a lot, though? So they were really putting out a lot. But you have to know hospitality was so huge then. You know, um, and it still is over in the Middle East. Yeah, it is. Um, so this was confirmation to Eleazar that she was the one. <laughs> she was indeed from Abraham's family because he didn't know when he got there, right? Uh, she was the daughter of Bethel, meaning destroyed of God, man of God, and dweller in God. His name gives us an implication that he understood it to be a man of God who dwells in him. Uh, his flesh would have to be destroyed to draw near to him. And, and so in that day, how did you draw near to God? Because they didn't have Holy Spirit indwelling yet. Mm-hmm. So how could they get near to God? Sacrifice. Oh, sacrifices. Uh-huh. And so that's what he would have done. Uh, Milka meaning a queen, was Rebecca's mother. She had been the daughter of Abraham's brother, Haran, who had married her uncle, Abraham's other brother, Nahor. That made Rebecca, meaning the ensnarer, Isaac's second cousin. Mm-hmm. So, yes, they were related. <laughs> so, Genesis 24, 27 through 53. 20 what? <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Well, we can break it up. (laughs) We don't have to do that much. It's okay. How about, yeah, okay, well, I did it wrong. Okay, so let's do 26, uh, yeah, 26 through, um, (laughs) I hate to do that if people don't want to. Okay, 33, go for that. The man bowed low and worshipped the Lord. Praise the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, he said. The Lord has shown unfailing love and faithfulness to my master, for he has led me straight to my master's relatives. The young woman ran home to tell her family everything that had happened. Now, Rebecca had a brother named Laban, Laban. Uh-huh. Laban, who ran out to meet the man at the spring. He had seen the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrists and had heard Rebecca tell what the man had said. So he rushed out to the spring where the man was still standing beside his camels. Gibbon said to him, come and stay with us, you who are blessed by the Lord. Why are you standing here outside the tent? And I have a room already for you and a place prepared for the camels. So the man went home with Laban, and Laban unloaded the camels. Gave him straw for their bedding, fed them, and provided water for the man and the camel drivers to wash their feet. And food was served. But Abraham's servant said, I don't want to eat until I have told you why I have come. 
All right, Levin said, tell us. Okay, so somebody do 34 through uh, 44. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he has become great. And he has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. And Sarah's my, Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him he has given all that he has. Now my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose land I dwell. But you shall go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, the Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper your way. And you shall take a wife for my son, for my family and for my father's house. You will be clear from this oath when you arrive among my family. For if they will not give her to you, then you will be released from my oath. And this day I came to the well and said, O Lord God my master, of my master Abraham, if you will now prosper the way in which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin comes out to draw water, and I say to her, Please give me a little, little water from your pitcher to drink. And she says to me, Drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Okay, so somebody did 45 through 53. But before I had finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebecca coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder, and she went down to the well and drew water. And I said to her, please let me drink. And she made haste and let her pitcher down from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will give you camels a drink, give your camels a drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels a drink also. And I asked her and said, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, <clears throat> whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the nose ring on her nose and bracelets on her, on her wrist. And I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, God and my master Abraham, who had led me in the way of truth to take the daughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I will turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing, the thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either good, either bad or good. Here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go, and let her be your master's son's wife, as the Lord has spoken. And it came to pass, when Abraham's servant heard their words, that he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Then the servant brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold, and clothing, and gave them to Rebecca. He also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother. Okay, so <clears throat> it's interesting. There's a few things that's interesting here. Uh, and I, I chose this picture, you know, mm. okay. Oh, I don't know if you know anything about Indian culture, you know. But it's interesting because they still have bride prices, you know, and so when they have an Indian wedding, the jewelry that she is wearing is coming from the groom's family. And so she's decked out in all this jewelry. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what you've got going on here. 
Um, and so it's in the Middle East that we're looking at here, but it's still a kind of, it, it's still over there more of how it is in the Bible. So let's look at this. The precious things given to her brother and mother are undoubtedly her bridal price or dowry. This was an ancient Near Eastern practice to ensure the bride and her children would be cared for in cases of infidelity, poverty, or divorce, where the wife was not to blame. If the wife was to blame, then she gave up all of that. She didn't get it anymore. The bride's family would receive some money for the loss of their daughter, but would also hold the bridal prize for safekeeping and even invest it for it to grow for the bride until the father's death when she would receive it back to manage. If a man took a bride without a bridal prize, he considered her a concubine, and she lacked his safeguard. In Rebecca's case, it's interesting that her bridal prize went to her brother and mother and not her father. That's unusual. Since Laban, Rebecca's brother, is making the decisions and the bridal gifts were given to her brother and mother and not her father, it's thought that Bethuel, her father, must have been sick and incapable of such things. Yeah, because it is very di different. All right, so let's look at Genesis 24. Can I, can I yes, any time. Okay, were, were y'all cooking or anything? Are y'all heating anything up? <laughs> I smell something burning. Do y'all smell anything? Maybe it's just me. Okay. All right. Okay. Sorry. I just don't want to burn. Okay. The thing I was thinking about is talk about infidelity. Mm -hmm. I thought back then it was all right. It was commonplace. And, well, they could take more wives. Well, but even for the husband to be unfaithful and that was not so much even if you remember if you're looking at Abraham the ones that that he took um like because we're actually going to talk about there was another that many times people don't was hear about same? no um another concubine another oh. wife oh, okay. but if you'll notice they will call okay. them wives um like for instance you had um Jacob he had the two wives, he had Rachel, and then he had Leah, but then he ended up taking their maids as concubines mm -hmm. and had children with them also. Um, but it was not where they just had blatant affairs, it was where they actually took them. Um, to continue the family line. Yes. Yeah. But uh, if you remember, even when we were talking about with Abraham and Hagar, uh, that he took her for his wife. Mm -hmm. And if you'll remember, it was something that even it, it, God recognized it because you remember we were talking about the Aleph and the Toph and it being connected to the name, mm -hmm. you know? And that's the only place where uh, the Aleph and the Toph is actually connected to Hagar uh, is when she became his wife. And it would have been because she was connected, covenanted with uh, Abraham even though she was more considered a concubine. All right, so um, Genesis 24, 54 through 61. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night. Then they arose in the morning and he said, send me away to my master. But the brother and her mother 
said, let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least ten. After that she may go. And he said to them, do not hinder me. Since the Lord has prospered my way, send me away so I may go to my master. So they said, we will call the young woman and ask her personally. Then they asked, they called Rebecca and, and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So they sent away Rebecca, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Then Rebecca and her maids arose, and they rode on the camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebecca and departed. Look in verse 16, where it says, uh, May you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands. What's significant about ten thousands? The biggest number that they knew. Uh -huh. They didn't know a bigger number than that. <laughs> so that's kind of cool, huh? Mm -hmm. All right. Um, can you imagine? So just the night before, she met this guy, and she watered his camels, and then all this change and then she's leaving with him going <laughs> off to a new life that I can imagine that that would be wow <laughs> yeah a whirlwind yeah so Rebecca had simply helped a man the night before and was now leaving for a whole new life yet it took her about a month to get from Hebron or get to Hebron um, where her her groom waited for her as she rode her camel among the others in her party, she had time to process what was happening and to get mentally prepared. <laughs> you got a typo, but oh well. <laughs> um, so, let's see where they meet. Genesis 24, 62 through 67. Meanwhile, Isaac, whose home was in the Nagah, had returned from Yermaharoy. Mm -hmm. One evening, as he was walking and meditating in the fields, he looked up and saw the camels coming. When Rebecca looked up and saw Isaac, she quickly dismounted from her camel. Who is this man walking through the fields to meet us? She asked the servant, and he replied, It is my master. So Rebecca covered her face with her veil, and the servant told Isaac everything he had done. And Isaac brought Rebecca into his mother Sarah's tent, and she became his wife. He loved her, he loved her deeply, and she was a special comfort to him after his death. You know, this is one of the first ones that it actually says, and he loved her. Mm -hmm. You know, so at least it worked that way. Praise God, huh? <laughs> So it says Isaac was coming from Be'er Lahai Roi. We have seen this well before. Do y'all remember it? Mm. When it got named? Uh-huh. From the God from Hagar. Mm -hmm. She named it This is the well of the, the God who sees me. Uh, Isaac most likely had gotten the message of his bride's coming. Many times a messenger would be sent to inform. Um, what had happened. A lone messenger or two could travel a whole lot faster than a caravan. Here we see Isaac visiting the well, probably hoping for a visitation from God for himself. Wouldn't you think? 
Um, then we, we see him meditating in the field, knowing they would be coming from that direction. He had hopes and dreams for this new life with this bride. Then he saw her, and he was not disappointed. When he heard how she came from Eleazar, the trusted servant himself, he immediately took her as his wife, and he loved her. This is not always said of the marriages in the Bible, especially ones where they had never seen one another before. Yes, it was an arranged marriage, but more importantly, it was not arranged by man, but by God. And nothing could be better. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so let's look into this. This is one that is not as well known. Abraham had uh, another concubine, uh, not just Hagar. Um, this was, uh, her name was Keturah. Yeah, so let's look at that. In Genesis 25, verses 1 through 6. Ooh, you got to pronounce all those names up there. <laughs> yeah. Suzanne? Well, I mean, I could do it if you want me to. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Abraham, again, took a wife, and her name was Keturah. And she bore him Zimron, Jokshan, Menon, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Jokshan begot Sheba and Dedan, and the sons of Dedan were Asherim, uh, Letashim and Lulamim. <laughs> and the sons of Midian were Ephah, Epher, uh, Hinoch, uh, Abedah, and Eldah. All these were the children of Keturah. And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. But Abraham gave gifts to the sons of the concubines, which Abraham had. And while he was still living, he sent them eastward, away from Isaac his son, to the country of the east. Yeah. So how many sons did Abraham have? Eight. He had eight. That is correct. And then here's a family tree with Abraham and Keturah and what that would have looked like. Pretty spry for 160 something. <laughs> yeah. They have six sons. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. So, Keturah means sweet-smelling incense, like what would be offered by the priest in the holy place of the temple. She must have been a comfort to Abraham. She likely took care of him until his death. She's only mentioned with her descendants here and in 1 Chronicles 1, 32 and 33. Her descendants, as well as Ishmael, settled south and east of Canaan in the Arab country. Not much is known of them. However, one of Keturah's sons is Midian, which is known modernly as Saudi Arabia. We will hear this name again with Gideon winning his miraculous battle against the Midianites. Even more, we see Moses go to Midian, where he is a shepherd for 40 years after fleeing Egypt and marrying Zipporah, daughter of Jethro, who was the high priest of Midian. Because these sons were born from concubines, they were not awarded the full honor of being considered full sons of Abraham, like Isaac was. So let's look at the death of Abraham. So uh, Genesis 25, 7 through 11. This is the son of Abraham's life, which he lived 175 years. And Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age. 
an old man full of years, and was gathered to his people. And his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, which is before Mamre in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar the Hittite, the field which Abraham purchased for the sons of Heth. There Abraham was buried in Sarah with with Sarah his wife. And Sarah his wife. And it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac. And Isaac dwelt at Ber Lahorma. At the well. <laughs> at the well of the God who sees me. Mm-hmm. That's what it means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh the thing is, this is the end of one era and the beginning of another. Right? Mm-hmm. Um next time we'll can uh, we'll continue with the life of Isaac and Rebecca. They will have children who will birth nations in their lifetime. One of these children will receive the name of Israel. Mm. I find it interesting that it says, and his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him. Yeah, not the other sons. Yeah. Yeah. So they must have had a relationship of some sort. You would think. I mean, you know that they all knew about each other. Right. Yeah. I just always thought they were separated. I, I just... Well, but see, most of the time, people don't even know about the other six sons. Well, I don't know about six sons either, but yeah. <laughs> I thought there was turmoil between the two. Well, the now, there was with Ishmael and Isaac. You know, there was right. a lot of jealousy. Right. Um, yeah. Which is understandable. Oh, yeah. But I, I just, I always thought they were just like, they both went their separate ways. I didn't realize they came together and buried him. Well, interesting. They did go their separate ways after. But but they did that together, which right. was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Honor him. Yeah. This was a shorter lesson, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if it would have been the culture or whatever that the sons of the concubines wouldn't have been included in Abraham's career. Well, but Ishmael was there, who was a son of a concubine. His mother. Well, no. Yeah, but so did Keturah, because it said in, in Genesis 25, 1, that she was his wife. But then later, it says that she was a concubine. The only one that was a full wife um, was Sarah. Yeah. And remember, we were talking about one of the things is, uh, that made that a distinction was bridal prices and all that. Do you remember, what was the relationship also between Abraham and Sarah? They were, half they were half brother and sister, so I mean they knew each other pretty well, and it even says they had the same father, but different mothers. Yeah. What part of it? <laughs> All of it. If you're going to learn anything, you have to chew on it. Mm, it's true. It is true. Yeah, this is one of the shorter ones. Yeah, it was a lot shorter. And actually easier to than a lot of others. <laughs> so it was pretty straightforward. Yeah, it'd be fun. Thank you for listening to the Las Casas Community Church Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Las Casas Community Church. Be sure to like, share, follow, 
and leave a review for our podcast. And as always, if you have any questions, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to answer those for you. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time.